Hello everyone, welcome to Tea Time Reports. This is Trevor. I'm joined here by Brandon and Caden, and we're going to be doing a Bears off-season talk. Um, just going over roster updates, trades, the draft, acquisitions, their off-season in total up to this point, um, and just overall talking about expectations leading into this upcoming season. And I, I got a big Bears fan here, Brandon. This is his team, Chicago guy. Um, anything Chicago, it seems. Um, but then also Caden, he's also a Justin Fields fanboy, if you will. Uh, Justin Fields is kind of that X factor, and I, I wish him the best for sure. But as a Lions fan, I don't. So <laughs> yeah. I'll go ahead and let Brandon take it away here with some of your initial impressions and thoughts on the Bears offseason thus far. Yeah, honestly, as a whole, I'm going to start it off with Justin Fields can throw the fucking football. Thank you. I'm going to get that out there right now before I dive into anything else. All you haters out there. Just do yourself a favor, go to YouTube, pull up the highlights of yeah. Ohio State versus Clemson, <laughs> and you will see that Justin Fields can indeed throw the fucking football in the pocket. And even this past year, against the Green Bay Packers, against the Philadelphia Eagles, against the Buffalo Bills, Minnesota Vikings, you can see... The Lions. The Lions they as well. They can't sit on them. Those were tight games. In the, in the Dolphins game, whether it's him running for a 75-yard touchdown or him throwing a 45-55, 60-yard dime down the field to Darnell Mooney or Nikhil Harry, he or can throw the fucking football. And, he yeah. can, and he'll sit there in the pocket and take the hit, too. You'll, I guarantee you, if you watch those YouTube highlights, you'll see that in the Ohio State game where he got bruised fucking ribs against Clemson. And you'll see that... In the Bears-Packers game last year, when he threw the dime over Jair Alexander's head to kill Harry, he just took a fucking shot out of the pocket. Yeah. Um, but anyways, going into the Bears offseason, whether or not you're a Bears fan, if you're just an objective fan of football, understand how the offseason works and how everything works, you would just be a hater if you would say anything less than probably like a B or a B- minus for the Bears yeah. offseason. I mean, the type of haul that we got for that number one pick... It's it's insane. It was a great move. It's insane. Who's your GM? Ryan Poles. Came from the Kansas City system. Okay. He was a he worked his way up. He was an offensive lineman. He played football too. Played college. Played in the NFL for a little bit. Never really got a chance in the NFL, um, but still a foot in the door in the NFL. Whether it's practice squad, third on the depth chart, it's still a foot in the door in the NFL. Hey, he's still a GM of a historical exactly. franchise. Now, One so. of the most historical franchises in all of the NFL, regardless of what your exactly. bias is on Chicago mm-hmm. Bears. Um, but anyways, started out as a scout there, worked his way up through the O-line, um, like coaching tree there, um, worked with development in the management office. Um, then I think his last role with them was a scout or like some type of advisor to the front office. Oh, but, um, so the Bears kind of took a shot on him. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but it was a very thought out and warranted shot, I felt like, and it was something that needed to be done. Because the McCaskey family, what they did with how they put their trust into Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, our former coach and former GM, was honestly just fucking abysmal and pathetic and terrible. All disrespect meant to that. (laughs) And I'm just glad that they finally came to their senses and just made the right decision and sort of just took a step back as far as having all hands on and just... Realize we need to sort of switch from that old school 1985 mindset of having that defense and trying to remake that defense and realize, all right, the game's changing. We need to sort of approach it that way. Exactly. And that's what Ryan Poles has done ever since he's came here. His first ever draft pick was Kyler Gordon. His second ever draft pick was Jaquan Brisker. 
Um, I feel like if you're an avid fan of the NFL and you follow along, you know who both of those names are without being a Bears fan. Yeah, um, we do. And not to say they had great rookie seasons compared to the likes of Sauce Gardner, Tyreek Warren, and stuff like that, but they had notable games. They had notable plays. Mm-hmm. They made names for themselves. Jaquan Brister had that fucking one-handed pick against the Patriots on primetime Monday night. Um, Bench Matt Jones, like two plays after that, Bill Belichick did. Um, Tyler Gordon had great plays against Josh Allen and the Bills, great plays against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Matt Jones got um, benched? Yeah, he got benched that game. Wow. Yeah. That was, honestly, that Eagles game was just so crazy. It was. That yeah, was a good ass game, dude. Touchdown. And that was Justin Fields' best game of the season as far if you actually look at his QBR and passer rating. That was the best game of the season against the Eagles defense. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that, like, this type of slander that he gets, his best performances last year were against the best teams that we played. Whether it was the Buffalo Bills or the um, Philadelphia Eagles. If you actually look at his rating and his stats and his numbers, those were his best performances. Mm. Throwing the football, in the pocket, decision making, whatever it might be. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that he needs improvement reading the defense and making reads of the offensive line. Staying in the pocket longer than he probably exactly. needs to. Confidence um, as well. But anyways, to get back on track with the offseason, that pick or that haul that we got with that first pick to get DJ Moore, to get the number nine pick, to get a first round pick next year, to get another second round pick. Like, come on. You they gotta got, give your props and your hats off to Ryan Poles and the yeah. fleece job that they did. The GM of the Panthers said he was literally in tears mm. making that trade because Ryan Poles wouldn't budge unless he got DJ Moore to pull the trigger on that trade. Yeah. And I still feel like we could have got less and I still would have been happy. DJ Moore, true solidified number one receiver, the number nine pick that turned out, in my opinion, in the best offensive lineman in the draft as far as ceiling wise and potential. Um, and Darnell White out of Tennessee. Yeah. It the tape says it for itself. He is a beast. Athletic build of no other, honestly. Um, I forget his exact measurements, but I think he's like six four, over three hundred thirty pounds, forty yeah. pounds maybe. Thank- um, and there's videos of him just shutting down Will Anderson, the mm. number three overall pick mm. to Houston out of Alabama. Wow. Arguably the number one like talent in the whole draft class, maybe one next to Jalen Carter. Time as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, so knowing that that's going to be our cornerstone blindside protection to Justin Fields mm. makes me sleep better at night, honestly. Mm. Um, so honestly, I, I, everything that Ryan Poles has done so far has been good. Yeah. Even going back to the Khalil Mack and the Roquan trades. I know these aren't in the offseason, but it's set up to what we got in this offseason. Um, don't get me wrong. I am I was the biggest Roquan fan. I, I was dying on a hill for him being like right next to Fred Warner as the best linebacker in the league. And I still think he is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stats sort of speak for itself. But at the same time, you never want to pay a linebacker $100 million. And that's what we were on pace to do yeah. for this offseason where we're at now. And we got good draft capital out of it, you know? And we're starting to see that turn into what we have now, and I don't think we've missed on a single draft pick this year, honestly, um, and I'll get into those. But overall, I just gotta, I can't give enough praise to Ryan Poles. He's just done such a good job, and we got the two best linebackers on the market in free yeah. agency and TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds mm. um, for less than a third of the price that we would have paid for Roquan Smith. The Tremaine Edmonds deal was a little bit of reach in my opinion, but the fact that we got TJ Edwards for three years and $12 million is fucking insane. Yeah, that's Um, a great signing. And he's a hometown boy, which I really do love about um, Ryan Poles and what we're doing here in Chicago as far as the culture is 
We also brought in Robert Tanyan, tight end addition from Green Bay. Um, I've always been a fan of his. He didn't have the best year last year, but he was also a hometown Illinois boy. Cole Komet's a hometown Illinois boy. We have that type of culture, and when you're playing for your hometown team, mm-hmm. you're always going to be given a little bit extra out there. Um, you grew up watching him play, mm-hmm. and all that stuff plays into effect. But no, they made great signings, and, and they only got better. Yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent, and it's it just goes to the effort that this front office is willing to put into. Starting with the trenches, one, then going to actually realizing, all right, what do we have right now with Justin Fields? What did he do for us last season? What do we need to put around him to really give us the answer next season if he is our guy? Which I do think he is. I do really think he is. And I've said that about Mitch Trubisky. I've said that about Jay Cutler. As a Bears fan, I've been nothing but spoiled with quarterbacks. Not really, <laughs> not really at all. But, no, no. Um, Dude, you guys have had poverty for quite some time. But yeah, I've, but I can honestly, I can honestly tell you, as a Bears fan, I've never felt this feeling that I have now, thinking about this team and the expectations. And I've had my expectations before. I have. Um, when we traded for Khalil Mack, when we mm. drafted Trubisky and went twelve and four, won the division, then had the double doink. I've had my expectations. But that was his best. Season. There's just something different with what we have brewing now with Ryan Poles and the culture that we're setting. Um, but to touch on the rest of the draft, um, with Roshan Johnson, I think if we didn't get um, Noah Sewell out of Oregon, Rashawn Johnson, Johnson to steal the draft, if it wasn't for him playing and sharing carriers with Bajon Robinson, I think he's second behind Jameer Gibbs as the number two running back taken off the board in this draft. Mm. He's just such a tough downhill runner. And he's what... Honestly, I think he's going to be what we wish David Montgomery would have been. And that's no slight to Montgomery because I was the biggest Montgomery fan. Yeah. And he fought for every fucking yard yeah. and play that he had, which I always appreciated. And that sort of lived up to the Bears' culture and what they've always been known for. Blocking just did him no justice. No, and he just, at the end of the day, he only averaged just right around four yards of carry, if not under. And that's just not going to get the job done. Yeah. Especially when you're... And we still had the number one rushing attack as a whole, as a team last year, you know. Um, but then we have Tyler Scott, rookie uh, receiver out of Cincinnati. Um, all that's been coming out of OTAs and minicamp so far is his speed and his promise and how he's just like another, if not better, Darnell Mooney. Um, and I think Darnell Mooney is a s- solid wide receiver number two as well. So to think that we can have Darnell Mooney and Tyler Scott both on the insides of the slot and then have DJ Moore and Chase Claypool on the outsides... It's going to help. Oh, my gosh. And then that safety valve in Cole Komet. And I'll get into that as well, Cole Komet. Um, I think he's going to be the biggest key to unlocking the Bears' offense this upcoming season. Uh, but we'll touch on that so I can finish off the draft. But yeah, I touched on Darnell Wright as well. Like I said, that just all came from the haul that we got from that number one um, pick in that trade. And even next year, I don't really think the Panthers are going to be that good. And it's not too far out of the realm of possibility that the Bears have another top five, top ten pick from that Panthers trade next year because we yeah, have their first round pick. Yeah, and they can easily go another four and thirteen, or even six and ten. Like if that, that's still going to be a top ten pick that we have again to build around on Justin Fields and this offense and this team. Um, and not even to mention Tyreek Stevenson on the defensive end, corner out of Miami, mm. six two six three. I think really lengthy, really physical. It's been nothing but praise out of him so far out of these OTAs and minicamps. And the discussion is, the biggest thing is, is if he's going to fight and compete with um, Kendall Vildor for that um, QB, uh, not QB, CB2 slash 3 spot because Kyler Gordon um, has sort of been set in stone now. He's going to be playing the nickel corner um, 
throughout this season. So that way he can just simplify and understand what his role is and perform there, yeah. which he's already touched on in OTAs. And I think he's going to have a breakout season. I'll touch on him as well because I'm going to get into my top five breakout um, candidates. But Tyree Stevenson, he's going to be, um, I think, the starter come week one of the um, wow. regular season. Damn. And he picked off Justin Fields in the second day of OTAs hmm. um, in live practice. Practice, so I think that's just gonna keep going up from there. Yeah. Um, I already touched on Noah Sewell, linebacker out of Oregon. He could have declared last year, and everyone had him as a mid to late first round pick. Stayed one more year. Didn't have the best year, but got more experience, got more refined. Yeah. Um, everybody's been labeling him as a steal of the draft, if not for Chicago, the whole entire draft. Um, and he's gonna be competing with Jack Sanborn for that Sam linebacker spot. And honestly. It's pick your poison at that point. Yeah. I'm fine with either or. It's just going to be fun to watch them battle out and see who really comes ahead. Yeah. Um, he was one of the guys that I was, you know, riding big time mm-hmm. the Lions to get. You know, I really wanted that connection between. That would have been dope. School. I'm not going to lie. That would have been dope. But as a Bears fan, I'm glad you guys did not get him. Especially. <laughs> yeah, now, now they get to line up against each other yeah, two times a year. Which is even cooler. Then um, to round out the draft, Javon Dexter Jr. Or Sr., I'm sorry. And George Pickens, two interior nose tackles out of the SEC. One uh, from Florida, Dexter coming from Florida. Um, he was our second pick um, out of the, uh, which we got from the Carolina trade. I'm pretty sure, not 100%. Um, but the biggest thing on him was his just raw physical talent. And he just needs to be refined and coached into that, I guess, like starting NFL nose tackle that you want. But the PFF grades, the physical grades, all were 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 10 out of 10. And that's what you want to see. And that's just Ryan Poles attacking the trenches again in a position of need, an area of need, which is our D-line as a whole, whether it's edge, interior. Um, then Zach Pickens, another interior lineman out of the SEC. And anything that you're getting out of the SEC, you know is going to be battle-tested and talented. Mm. It's just going to be a matter of you putting them in the right spot and it being a good fit um, schematically and system-wise. Um, then, excuse me. I believe he was an undrafted free agent, but Tyler Badgett, I think is how you say, Tyson Badgett, that's how you say his last name, I believe, um, went to Shepard, Division II passing leader, threw for over 5,000 yards, um, never got the recognition out of high school or anything, very talented arm thrower. His uh, father is actually, I forget his first name, um, arguably the best arm wrestling, or arm wrestler of all time. Really? Uh, Sports Center feature. Um, they did a sports center featured on him and his family about a month ago. So check that out if you haven't already. That's actually where I learned about Tyler Badgett because they mm-hmm. went on to just how talented he is as a quarterback but never got that shot to be um, a Division One quarterback. Then eventually he came along, got like one or two offers, but he's like, no, I really feel like I can display what I have the most. And just year after year and then in Division Two, he was just putting up numbers and numbers and Coming from someone in genetics where your dad is the biggest and best arm wrestler of all time, I'm going to bet you're going to have some arm talent. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I like that pick. I mean, it's just a third-string quarterback pick at that point. I mean, we got P.J. Walker in the offseason to back up Justin Fields, which I'm ecstatic about. Yeah. Um, I'm PJ. sure you appreciate him. Coming, XFL guy. Yeah, yeah. Coming from one of those leagues. But, uh, yeah, draft-wise, I, I honestly I think we hit big time. I mean, we're really not going to know until we actually see them and their impact on the field. But I think our rookie impact is going to be very significant this year, sort of like the Seahawks was last year. And I think it's just going to go a testament to Ryan Poles and the job that sort of he's been doing. Um, But even from free agency additions to trades, everything's just been on the up. You know, I haven't... One thing I wish we would have done already 
Um, they keep saying we're looking into it is address the edge situation in the free free agency or trade market, whether it's Chase Young or Yannick Ngakwe, Jadavion Clowney, any of those names, we need something there. That's one of like the few holes that we really do have right now, honestly. So, which I mean, you could have a good rotation of guys that could sure. replace production rather than going to get a star. But uh, trust your linebackers there. I mean, they could probably apply pressure if needed. But I always notice one thing about the Bears defense: it's always stout. It you is. know, it it really is. It's kind of like you said. It's kind of what they're known for. But um, going back to the draft, I definitely give them an A plus. Just I think mm. they got an A plus just off rip from that first overall trade. Mm. I mean, what they acquired, I, they robbed. Yeah. They robbed the Panthers. Like, Imagine what, then, like I said, we could potentially have the number one pick again next year, and that pitch going to be Caleb Williams. And and that goes, like, and this also, I would also like your opinion on this, both of you guys. That kind of goes to show you that Justin Fields is kind of on a little bit of a hot seat. Mm-hmm. You know, if he doesn't show any progression or production, like throwing the ball or being an effective passer, um, granted, his physical abilities are fucking amazing, but do they move on? Next year. Only thing, I, like, I'm a, I'm a big Justin Fields fan. If he doesn't work out, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I just don't see, like, even now, you see him getting better every single year. His first year, you know, he had less than 2,000 passing yards. That's fucking horrible. He had 400 rushing yards. That's that's not, that is not, that is not good at all. He had seven passing touchdowns his first year. Like, he had yeah, 10 he, interceptions. It's, it's no secret that his passing game, and a lot of it's, been testament to just the shitty offense and the shitty mm-hmm. coaching and not having weapons, not having O-line. But he's been sacked the most mm-hmm. the last two years, pretty much. If but, not the most, top five. But if you look at you know what, he's, what he did this year, so much progression. He had you know, over 2,000 yards, and he had over 1,000 uh, rushing yards. And in that game, that Philly game, I was watching that, and that run he made, that 75-yard touchdown run that, that got called back, I was like, this guy is... Fucking superhuman. He did that four times last season. That is superhuman. Four times. Mm-hmm. He did it against, Whether against the, uh, the Packers. The Lions as well. The Lions, the Dolphins, and the mm-hmm. Eagles. Well, uh, even uh, watching you, that Lions game, I was, we, were, we were legit telling each other, I was like, this guy is not fucking from this planet. And mean, I know you guys saw the viral clip of, clip of uh, Mike McDaniels telling him, like, hey, stop fucking running so much on yeah. the sideline that game. Mm-hmm. We were just He was running all over the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. And he ran right by him on the sideline. He's like, hey, stop doing that. Just exactly. Michael Daniels being his own like clown funny He's stuff, but uh, yeah, I just honestly anyone that and that was the biggest thing with the Bears this whole offseason before the number one pick trade was all right, do we take Bryce Young or do we get rid of Justin Fields and see what we have with that or see what we can get with that and just seeing how much hate Justin Fields was getting was one not only mind blowing but just pissing me off, man because. Yeah. I guarantee you 75% of the people that were saying that did not actually watch every single Bears game the way I did and other Bears fans did. Yeah. And and if you did, starting from the first game of the season against San Fran, I mean, granted, they had Trey Lance. It was a rainy, terrible weather conditions. But he Justin Fields willed the Bears to win that game with the plays that he made out of the pocket with his feet, throwing the ball. And every other game throughout the season that we were in within one possession, at least going into like the last half of the fourth quarter or going into the fourth quarter and those are against teams like the Eagles the Bills the Lions the Lions the Packers you know we didn't play a slouch schedule last year by any means the Cowboys we were down by like three points going into halftime with the Cowboys then Tony Tony Pollard just erupted for like three touchdowns and almost 200 all-purpose yards but like it was just week after week Justin Fields showed what he can do 
given a good defense that can keep Justin Fields on the field doing what he's doing and an offensive line that protect can protect him and weapons that he can spread the ball out to. It's also an interesting stat. Justin Jefferson had more receiving yards than, than every single Chicago Bears. Combined. Combined. Yes. yes. Um, that's awful. Yes, it is. That is and you can't have that. Like I said, I'll be the first one to show that like or to tell you that Justin Fields needs to work on that. But well, a no, lot of I wasn't it, even blaming him. I was kind of blaming the receivers as well. Yeah, like, but, but a lot of it is too. Like, who was he throwing to? And yeah. the coaches up until this year, don't get me wrong. There was so over the last four years watching the Bears' offense, whether it was with Trubisky, ever since Jay Cutler left, I can't tell you how many times I wanted to rip my fucking hair out of my head <laughs> because all they would do, I should, every drive would be like this: first down, screen pass out to Darnell Mooney or Terry Cohen when we had him. Three yards at the most. Try to run it on second down. One yard at the most. Then we're stuck on third and six. Trubisky has to step back, stay in the pocket, throw it. Justin Fields has to step back, stay in the pocket, throw it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen. Then we punt it. We have the ball for a total of 29 seconds, time of possession. Don't even get five yards of offense. And that was possession after possession, week after week. And at that point, it's just play calling. Why the fuck are we still playing, like, yeah. calling these plays? Why are we still putting these players in these positions? Why are we not... Rolling out Trubisky where he's actually accurate throwing the football and throwing the ball on his run, making them, putting him in positions to make plays on his feet. Why aren't we doing that with Justin Fields? Why aren't we putting, like as a coach, regardless of how you feel about the talent you have or the players you have, you have to be able to evaluate what you have and what their strengths are and how to put them in opportunities or positions to use those strengths. Yeah, and, and to succeed. Yeah, like sometimes it has to do with trust as well. You got to trust your players to, you got to put your players. You trust them exactly. to make plays. Um, but that's all it was all offseason. Like, Justin Fields needs to go. He's not proving himself. And there was a few out there. Dan Orlovsky was a big advocate and supporter of Justin Fields, which I, I love Dan Orlovsky. He's great, whether it's breaking down tape, his takes, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, that was the biggest thing is, oh, yeah, you should take all these front office people, take Bryce Young and offload Justin Fields. But going into this season, it's going to be the same. It all depends on what the Panthers are doing, of course. But if it is in that situation where we get the number one pick again, it's, it is going to be Fields on a hot seat. But he is in the position now. We have the weapons. We have the offensive line. It's The ball's in his court now. And I have 100% confidence he's going to take it and run with it and show what he can do and sort of silence all those doubters. Yeah. But at the same time, if he doesn't, worst comes to worst, what, we get fucking Drake May or Caleb Williams? Mm. I'm not mad about that either. You can't complain either I would, Honestly, I was never the biggest fan of Bryce Young. I hope nothing but the best for him. I like watching Alabama, but I did not want him to be my quarterback with no disrespect at all. Yeah. I just did not want him to be my quarterback, especially with Justin Fields being our quarterback now. Even, I mean, especially if we have Mitch Trubisky, I'm going to take Bryce Young over Trubisky. But I just, I didn't want Bryce Young to be our franchise guy. He just, I don't feel like he fits Chicago for what it is, what we are. His play style, his personality, any of that. I just, it's not him. And I'm just, I hate to knock on it, but his size, too. I just, that's always going to be the biggest question. Scared. Yeah. You are scared. Of, I'm scared of his frame, too. I don't know if he's going to, you know, I don't know how that's going to translate because they're listing him a 6'1, and I'm like, there's no fucking way. Yeah, and there's no way. I, I was losing sleep over the thought of, man, I really hope we just do not trade him and do that. But Ryan Poles, I was wrong forever doubting him in the first place, and I'm never going to doubt him again. I mean, he made the right calls in the draft, and the trade alone, he robbed, he fleeced the Panthers. Like, and even going back to the Fields thing, like no one really had legitimate 
reasoning to slander him like that. He never had the offensive line. He never had the weapons. Now he does. All right. Put him in the position. See what he can do with Jalen Hurts did. It was the same thing. Jalen Hurts was getting the same slander. Um, That's true. Uh, I think Howie Roseman, how, I forget his name, the general manager of the Philly, Philadelphia yeah, Eagles, um, he came in there and he said, all right, I hear you guys. We're not just going to make this decision now out of fucking panic from the media. Yeah. We're going to give this guy the tools, the players, the things that he needs to succeed. Yeah. We know what his strengths are. We're going to sort of build around it and see what he can do and what the fuck happened. They made the Super Bowl and it was honestly an offensive call away from winning the Super Bowl. You know, um, so why not do the same thing and see what happens? And like I said, worst comes to worst, we get a top ten pick again. We get another quarterback. And even then, if he start. if he shows progression, if Justin Fields shows a lot of really good progression and production, then you just draft an elite wideout or like a defensive. Marvin Harrison player. Jr. might be on the fucking. Right, there you go. Why not pair him with that? With, dude, with Justin, like they at that point, they need a good alignment. Marvin so, Harrison Jr. That, that DJ just, Moore, Justin Fields. Yeah, no, that would be disgusting. But at the same time, if he's there, no words. But if he's not, then you just get a premier tackle or a premier guard, or you're you're fucking winning. Pick your poison. Either way, you're fucking coming out of this draft and And moving. All begins with that trade, bro. It all kind of just stems from that, and that's Mm -hmm. just the crazy part about it. Honestly, that's how the cookie crumbles. But I, I do think Justin Fields will come out this season and live up to the expectations. All that's been coming out of camp so far is. How much he has been progressing. Eddie Jackson's been saying it. Jaquan Brisher's been saying it. Whether it's the connection with him and DJ Moore and the chemistry they're building, or just the progression that Fields is making as a passer overall, it's nothing but positive. And as a Bears fan, as fellow Bears fans out there, you have nothing to be like worried about. Nothing but excitement and good positive shit to look forward to. Like there's never been this much promise in the Bears franchise. I don't think ever, ever. And, like, that's even with Walter Payton and that Monsters of the Midway defense. But, like, given what today's NFL is and the potential that I feel like Justin Fields and this offense has with the pieces that we've got on defense, too, like, come on, man. No, it's... It's, it's only up from here. The upside is insane, and you can see a championship coming And it's way, all been from moves building. made by the GM in the front office. And, I mean, they have the upside with the player talent and uh, obviously what you just said about the GM. Uh, but, dude, you're right. I mean, they have so, upside. They have, like, a stacked roster in wide receiver yeah. now. I mean, they're... On paper, yes. That's I mean, all you need to just gotta to, prove it. Yeah, it's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. And it is still a young team. Um, but I feel like, obviously, these places and these chess pieces, if you will, that the front office and the GMs will make in the offseason throughout the season... Will only go so much, you know. They like I said, like you just said, they have to prove it on the field. These pieces have to perform on the field. These players, as you coaches. will, coaches, coaches, all have to make it all work and execute and get the players to perform on the field. So if that's not happening, then all these moves at the end of the day mean nothing. They can look as great and as glorious as you want on paper, but if they don't pan out, they don't mean nothing. So with that being said, um, I would like to go into like my top five breakout stars or candidates for not only minicamp but for the following season. I'll start with number five. I'll go from top or from bottom to top. Um, it's gonna be Tevin Jenkins. Um, he was our third round pick. I think we got that pick from the Khalil Mack trade. Um, he was drafted either out of Oklahoma State or Oregon State. I want to say Oklahoma State. A lot of promise coming out of college. Um, didn't really pan out his rookie season. Had some injury issues in minicamp. Um, 
going into the OTAs in summer as well. And he was sort of kind of struggling to find his spot on the offensive line. Sure. It was drafted as a tackle. Um, didn't pan out so well his rookie season. Kind of struggled to stay on the field. When he was on the field, it was just hard to see much success out of him. Um, and that year, we sort of signed Jason Peters. That's when he was, I think, like 84 years old. <laughs> still starting, kicking. And, I mean, that's, that's no one that, that's no slouch to learn from either. No. And the fact that he was able to learn from him for a season is definitely promising. Um, this past season, we tried him out at guard, and he, he looked good. He showed some promise. We had Braxton Jones, who was a rookie last year, season, um, sort of takes a spot at tackle and looked good. Looked really good. I think him and Wright, Darnell Wright, on the east end of the O-line are really going to be um, formidable for years to come. Um, but I think Tevin Jenkins is going to stay at the guard spot, and I think he's really primed for a breakout season, and he needs to prove himself because um, after a year of injury, obviously that's only going to be so much of an excuse Last year, you were in there. You got some playing time. You showed some signs of promise. You showed some signs of concern. Now it's all right. You got to show us what you really are. We're going into your contract year coming up. What can you do for us? What are you for us? I think this is a prove-it year for him. I think he's going to come out. He has um, Nate Davis on the other side of the O-line at right guard to learn from. I think he's only going to help him out there. Cody Whitehair is going to be transitioning back to center, which is what he was originally drafted as, which I'm glad about. Um, and like I said, you have Darnell Wright and uh, Braxton Jones to round out the offensive line. So I think offensive line as a whole has just improved leaps and bounds, which is all due to Ryan Poles and him coming from the trenches and understanding that, which I'm very happy and grateful for because that's what we need. That's the foundation. Everything starts with the trenches, you know? Yeah. And not everybody understands that, but Ryan Poles does, which I like. Um, number four is going to be Demarcus Walker. He was a free agent addition from Tennessee, um, edge rusher. Had a career year last year. I believe he went to Florida State as well. I might be wrong. Um, had seven, seven and a half sacks last year. Only played like nine day games, um, which is good. Um, he's coming in. He's going to be number one on the depth chart right now. Um, Alan Williams, our DC, comes from Indy, as well as uh, um, Matt Eberflus, our head coach. They both come from Indy. Alan Williams, he came out on record at the start of OTA saying, it's not a depth chart, it's a rep chart. Everyone's going to be playing, seeing what we can do or what they can do for us and what their strengths are. And we're going to figure out how we can put them in positions to utilize those strengths throughout the entire season. Um, and DeMarcus Walker, I feel like it's one of those because like we're touching on, edge is our biggest question mark right now. We need that to be addressed. Um, I don't think DeMarcus Walker is the answer, but I think he's going to have um, one of those years where he has like a sneaky 10 to 11 snack. Uh, snacks, sacks. Um, I hope he's getting rewarded with snacks. Yeah. If he's getting that many sacks, but um, hopefully, I think he's on um, prime for a breakout year. Um, I think he's really gonna need to have that breakout year if he really wants to like set himself up for future success in this league, whether it's with Chicago, whether it's not. Um, number three comes in, um, Kyler Gordon. Like I said, he was Ryan Pohl's first ever draft pick out of Washington. Going back to the nickel slot, he isn't the happiest about it because he wants to play outside. He is versatile. Um, but he did come out and say last year's season as a rookie, it was sort of hard for him to like understand and get into the game and sort of play the best of his ability. And now with him moving to nickel, he's able to just simplify everything, understand what his roles are, his assignments are, and just play to what he knows and just focus on those assignments and not have to worry about what else is going on behind him with the safeties or the other corners and Jalen Johnson or whoever it might be. Um, but at the same time, if we do need him to play out outside, whether it's because um, Tyree Stevenson isn't working out or knock on wood gets hurt or Bill Doerr isn't working out, he's versatile enough to play that number two corner on the outside. 
Um, so I think he's poised for a breakout year because of just how comfortable he is now in the scheme. And we already know what talent he has coming out of Washington. Um, I think he was a one-time um, first-team All-Pac-12, then two-time second-team All-Pac-12. So oh, wow. all throughout his college career, he was really good. Um, and I think that talent's going to translate now that he's actually comfortable in the system and what he's in his role and what his job is. Yeah. Number two, coming in with Chase Claypool. These top two, both Notre Dame boys, so a little bit of bias there. Um, but I expect a lot out of my former Fighting Irish, what I was seeing every Saturday out of them. Yeah. Um, like I said, Chase Claypool, number two. We gave up a lot for him last year. Yeah. Uh, honestly, another first-round pick. It was the first pick of the second round. We gave it to Pittsburgh. Just straight up Claypool for that pick. Um, and that pick turned into um, Joey Porter Jr., which yeah. I would have fucking loved to have. Or yeah, anyone Joey, else that was available there. Joey Porter's nice. Um, that's a great pick for Pittsburgh. Too, it is. Yeah. Um, but I was never expecting too much out of Claypool last year. He came in halfway through the season. The system was already still trying to figure it out or figure itself out as an offense already with the players and everything that we had. So you can't expect them to come in there and just really mesh and gel with everything that's going on. But everyone was just bashing him because of what we traded for him, which is unfair. But I think this season... Um, he is battling a little bit of a soft tissue injury right now that's kept him sidelined at OTAs and minicamps so far, but he has been there, present, um, in attendance every day so far. And I think once he's healthy and in the, on the field, getting win work with Justin Fields more, understanding the offense, he'll be just fine because anyone that watched him at Notre Dame on Saturdays, and even his rookie season was Pittsburgh, knows he's an athletic freak of nature. He can get up and high point the ball on yeah. eight balls. And we know Justin Fields has an arm. He can throw that deep ball. But he can also be involved in the sweep game. If you want to get him a little end-around sweep or run a wildcat or get him a little screen, he, he, when he has the ball in his hands, plays tend to happen. Um, and he sort of had that Edo check that he needed going into this season because I think Juju kind of tainted him for yeah. the worst over there at Pittsburgh with the TikTok bullshit and all that. Yeah, yeah. and then he got shit on for that celebration. Yeah. And so he's he's definitely been humbled and had an ego check, and I think that's going to benefit him coming into this season and being that nice number two with Darnell Mooney. I think what I would do, I would have Claypool and one on the outside. Mooney is that main slot guy. Um, so that way Claypool can still be out there a good 70% of the time and get his numbers, get his reps. And I think he's going to perform for us and really have a breakout year. And it's, it's just going to add to the weapons that we have on this de- offense. And hopefully that it's just going to give these defenses and these defensive coordinators more to lose sleep over. Because mm-hmm. when you have a pretty much an, a 12th man or an extra player on the field in Justin Fields, with his legs and his ability, that's already one thing you're losing sleep over. If he learns how to stay in the pocket and get the ball to the hands of Cole Komet, Darnell mm-hmm. Mooney, DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, I don't know how you're gonna be stopping him, man. And and you look at you look at like why he's, like his production in college and was so good because so he good. had Jackson Smith and Jigba, mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr., exactly. Chris Olave, mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson, like but, all these receivers now that you're mm-hmm. seeing in the league performing. But look at what he look at what else we had. A good O-line. A good O-line yeah, as well. Harris Johnson Jr., exactly. first O-lineman taking off the draft. Then mm-hmm. um, to round out my top five breakout stars is Cole Komet, Notre, oh, another yeah. Notre Dame fighting yeah. Irish alumni. Going into a contract year, had a career year last year, like 580 yards, I believe, seven touchdowns. Um, really established himself as that red zone threat in this offense, but I really think he's going to be the key to unlocking the true potential of this offense. Because um, we see it in Kansas City. We see it in these other organizations with these world-class tight ends. If they're having to worry about that, it's so much easier to spread the ball out to the other talent. And when you're in the red zone, when you're on third down, third and short, 
tight end matters, whether it's blocking, catching the ball. It's something else you have to worry about. And he's a mismatch against nine out of ten linebackers he's up against or safeties he's up he's against. He's huge. He's huge. He's athletic. He can move. He can catch. I don't know if y'all saw that one-handed catch against Atlanta last year. But do yourself a favor and watch it if you haven't. He can play. And I think another year in this offense, actually understanding it, Luke Getze, he's no slouch offensively. Offensive coordinator was with Aaron Rodgers for a number of years. Um, and pairing up with Robert Tanya as well. I think the tight end as a whole is just the key to unlocking this offense's true potential because, I mean, it goes without saying, you need a tight end and in the passing game as yeah. a threat offensively if you really do want to succeed Thanks. and blow the top off of defense. Because think about it. What is, I guess, the main calling for the Chiefs when they had Tyreek Hill over the last couple of years? Travis Kelsey is going to fucking tear you apart underneath and the short and intermediate game, then that's going to bring the safeties down, the nickel corners down, and then Tyreek Hill is going to blow the fucking top off. Yeah, exactly. It and that's exactly field. And that's exactly what the strengths are of Justin Fields and this offense. You have the deep threats of TJ Moore, Don Mooney, Bryson Scott, who I didn't even touch on is probably going to be my favorite rookie after this season said and done, in my opinion. Um, then you have Cole Komet and Chase Claypool and these intermediate to short games uh, with these big bodies, big frames, good hands to sort of pose that threat as well. And mm. it's just from there, it's all ideal thinking and ideal speaking, but like, there's no reason why it shouldn't pan out, you know? Yeah. And I think if all five of these players will have those breakout years, then, I mean, shit, dude, it might be a division title for the Bears this year, man. Mm. You never know. It's any given Sunday. You shit. But I mean, just, I don't know, man, just as an off season as a whole, if I'm going to give an overall grade, A minus. A minus. A minus. And it depends on what we do with this edge rusher spot. Because Chase Young is on the market. That's been established. Like I said earlier, Yannick and Gawkway, those names are still out there. If we can land one of them, I think it just brings it to an A+. Plus. Um, but we've touched on every position that we've needed. Every piece that we put in those positions, um, there's really nothing about them that like worries me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, you don't have any like major question marks no, right at now. at all. Yeah. I agree. I That's actually a good sign. Um, but Caden, what were your what are your expectations going into this next upcoming season? And then Brandon, if you want to get into your uh, expectations and predictions as well, you know, uh, you're more than welcome to. I would say that that is very ambitious. You know, going for the division title. But I do definitely see it is 100 percent possible for the uh, for them to take for them to take the uh, the, the um, like pr- pretty much the. Um, NFC North? Yeah, yeah, NFC North. I mean, you did it 12-4 and four with Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy, so I don't know yeah. how you don't do it with this team. Yeah, that was something. Don't get me wrong. Lions are still my favorites to win it, but being a Bears fan and what we have on paper and just having that imagination and those hopes. It's going to be a gritty to. season for that division. So. Y'all can definitely get to the playoffs, and I would be I would be ashamed if y'all didn't get at, at least you know, better than the Vikings. I'm not saying that, like it's gonna be a complete failure if you don't place higher than the Vikings, but I do think right now you get the more promising, more, more promising team, and low key like I, I trust Justin Fields more than I trust uh, Cam, uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, yeah, yeah. Kirk Cousins. And so I mean, as a whole, I would I would give it an A off season, but uh, yeah, I would I would definitely at least I, I want them to place higher than the Vikings. That's my expectation. Mm. I like that. I can get on board with that because that still at least leaves us a wild card spot. Yeah. I'm always okay with beating the Vikings. And honestly, I just, Kirk Cousins just isn't that guy. 
No, no as much not. as he is that guy on paper, he's not that he's guy. Mid- no. He's mid- like on paper, his stats are insane. Like not insane, but like you look at those stats. If there's you know that they just put that question mark of a blank player in the stats, you're like, oh, it's a wow. Hall of Fame stat that's, line. Yeah, like, but then you look at the face. Oh uh, uh, shit! Just, that's just Kirk Cousins. That's just Kirk mid. Cousins, man. It's one he's gonna lose. Um, he's gonna lose at seven p.m. tonight. <laughs> like, that's Kirk. <laughs> like you can't. That's insane. That's like as many contradictions as that team had last year like their their one score game record they had last year then your their prime time record it's like make up your mind you're so yeah. ass in prime time but all these yeah. one score games you win all of them but then, then you come to the playoffs and you just too. it's just it's still yeah. the same thing yeah it's just crazy but is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on on this bears offseason discussion um other than my predictions i don't I'm not gonna predict them to win the division, but I if I, mean, I was I guess, placing a bet that's like out there that I had some extra money to place on, it would be for them to end up stretching it out and winning the NFC North. Um, I just I really think the pieces that we got are gonna make such a big impact, whether it's from the draft or free agency. Not even touch on Deontay Foreman, the running back from Carolina, going back up to Derrick Henry in Tennessee. Everywhere he's been, he's been a plug and play running back that's gonna get you production, whether it's yards per carry touchdowns in the red zone he's gonna be that big solid power back that we really need and to pair that with Khalil Herbert and his elusivity and as a rookie he was like top five um, in the league up until like week 10 in yards per carry mm-hmm. I remember I went to the week seven or eight game against the Bucks that year um, it was when they had Brady the Bucks had the best rush defense in the league and Khalil was the first 100 yard rusher that whole season against the Bucks mm-hmm. and it was like half of the season he was a rookie um that's against Vita Vea and Shaq Barrett mm-hmm. and Devin White. And that's when they had Indominus too as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and to pair that as well with Rashawn Williams, I think, uh, honestly, even with losing David Montgomery, our running back room and our backfield has got even better. Um, but prediction-wise, I think we finished the season 9-8. and eight. Um, If we have one of those seasons like the Vikings where the luck is just in our favor with the one-score games, I wouldn't be surprised if we scratched the surface of 10-11 wins. Just says. Watching and, and obviously I'm biased, but watching every game last year, I keep saying we were in so many of those games. Yeah. But when it really came down to it, you could sort of distinguish. All right, the Bears were young, we're missing those pieces to really come down and will us the victory. The teams that we were losing those games to, like the Eagles, the Bills, the Vikings, the Packers, they had those players and those pieces that have been there before and able to like realize. All right, situational football, we gotta lock into this. Like Justin Fields couldn't do everything himself on the fourth quarter game winning drive. Yeah. But now this season, I still think I have no other reason to think why we wouldn't be in that same position. Yeah. And why would why wouldn't luck be on our favor this time? The same yeah. way it was for the Vikings last year, you know. Um, but, but I've seen I've seen it go you know the different way so many times. Yeah. Watching the Lions, you know, last season, the season before that, you know, so many games that we lost were one score games. So mm-hmm. many games just came down to the wire. And when it comes to execution time. The other team was just a little bit better than this. Yeah. Other than that, I just want to fucking make it known that whatever Ryan Poles and this team are doing, I have full faith in. Mm. There's still big question marks. Like I said, the edge rushing spot, that's the biggest question mark, in my opinion, for the rest of the offseason and going into this season and what I'm going to be looking for. Um, if we don't get anybody on the market, it's just going to be interesting to see who is able to step up and fill that role. Other than that, we got to fill that Sam linebacker spot. We got TJ Edwards, we got Tremaine Edmonds. But we got to fill that spot, whether it's with Jack Sandburn or Noel Sewell. It's not so much we don't have the people to put in that position. It's so much who the fuck do we pick. 
Yeah. And it's going to be who's going to be better between the two of them and who's going to come out of that competition and fill that biggest question mark or that second biggest question mark than um, that cornerback three spot with Tyreek Stevenson and Kendall Vildor. Um, Vildor, he's just so streaky. He'll have a couple games where he looks really good and he just gets exposed left and right. And we need someone on the other side of Jalen Johnson to lock down that side of the field. And I really do think Stevenson would be that guy. Other than that, it's just we got to figure out the kicker position. We still have Santos on the roster, um, but we brought in an undrafted free agent. I forget where, um, but he had a pretty good college career, if I remember correctly. So, and yeah, as a Bears fan, USFL guy. <laughs> dude, the guy from the Stars, I wouldn't mind him. Luis Aguilar. Um, but as a Bears fan and just any other Bears fan, you know, uh, kicker has been, uh, I guess, a position of detriment and nightmare for us as of late, going back to the double doink. And ever since then, it's just been... I don't even know but, how that happened, bro. I don't even want to get back into it. To be <laughs> I brought it up, but I don't want to get back into it. But It's one of the most fucking mysterious things I've ever seen. And it's like, I don't know why we didn't keep Robbie Gold. And that's a whole other thing in itself. Like, one of the best kickers of all time, most clutch kickers, accurate kickers of all time. Just let him walk. And he mm-hmm. said he wanted to finish his career as a bear. Mm-hmm. Why would you let him walk? And he even says, now, I'll come back in a heartbeat and kick for you guys. Like, do it. Why not? Yeah. All it's going to do is just raise popularity, make the fans happy, and you can trust him. Yeah. Well. And you know what That's I'm what liking? you want in a kicker. Yeah. Yes. You know who I'm liking right now from the Bears? Michael Badgley. Michael Badgley. He plays for the, uh, the Lions. He was yeah. actually like, when, um, what's his name? Uh, who's the kicker, the starting kicker? Matt Prater? For, no, for the, uh, for the Lions. I wouldn't say Seabird. Oh, yeah, it was like... Mm. Something I don't know. terrible. Yeah, he, he he was terrible. He went down. We had to get it back up, and we ended up stumbling across Michael Badgley. He was actually like really solid. I've always been a fan of him. Back when he was with yeah. the Chargers too, he was always good. I don't yeah. really. I never understood why he just sort of got pushed out of the league like that. Well, not out of the league, but like he's just, been around now. Yeah, a couple teams. So, but is, anything else you guys had to talk about for this uh, this episode? And we definitely have plenty of more Bears content coming out. And make sure you guys are following us on Instagram at Tea Time Reports. If you are a Chicago Bears fan, we have our own little reel uh, for you. There's uh, articles, cool pictures, all types of stuff being posted on that pretty actively. Um, and again, we'll have plenty more Bears content coming out on the pod because Brandon is a, it's a pretty big Bears guy, obviously. Uh, and then Caden, obviously, is a Justin Fields fan. And I sadly have to watch him twice a year play oh, Lions. Yeah. So. We'll see how that goes, but um, thank you everyone for tuning in and showing us the support and, uh, you know, enjoying what we have to put out there, so uh, we really appreciate it, and take care.